0: Welcome into Scout's Eye on College Football on the Landry Football Podcast Network as we recap a fun rivalry week of college football. So much to get to. Um, Lots of happenings, no doubt. Um, We kind of know where we're standing heading towards conference championship week, so we're going to get right into it. A reminder though, you can get detailed film room analysis. On all the teams, all the games. Like for example, we're going to have all the conference championship matchups up for you, um, and all the coaching search news <clears throat> up over at LandryFootball.com. So make sure that you take advantage of the football season sale today, as we um, are going to get that going for you. Um, needless to say, a huge week. I-, I thought about where to start, and I don't know where to start, starts. So I'm just going to jump right in, and we're just going to have fun. It's probably the most um, Noteworthy, biggest statement made in week 13, rivalry week, was Michigan. Beating Ohio State, yeah, could see that happening. I thought they were the more complete team overall. But to dominate Ohio State, very impressive. I had some questions how Ohio State's looked on film all year long. I just don't think they've quite played like I thought they were capable of playing And Michigan has just looked good. Neither one has played a very tough schedule, but there is something when you study film that you can see a team that comes together. That's, and and I admit, I got a bias towards physicality and being a physical, dominant, opposing your will type of team, because I believe that travels. I believe that carries through early in the season, late in the season, middle of the season, cold weather hot weather, indoors, outdoors, snow, sleet, wind, whatever. You can always rely on it. It's a staple. It's the foundation. And I thought Michigan was better at that. I think that two years now in a row, we've seen Michigan, they're the more physical team, they're the more disciplined team, and Ohio State's become more finesse. In fact, in studying them during the course of the year, it's been very obvious that they sense that they've become more finesse. I'm not saying soft. I'm not not saying Ohio State soft. I'm saying that they're a lot about nothing wrong with speed and passing game and spreading you out. But they're not the line of scrimmage tough guys. And it looked like all year long they were trying to force that on their team. It was like we got to be physical. The emphasis on running the football, which you, I think to play championship level football in the Big Ten, you've got to have that in your repertoire. It seemed like they were force feeding that, and it just didn't take. It just didn't take, quite frankly, and it and it looked a little bit awkward. And in watching the game, you you see them for stretches play pretty well at the line of scrimmage, coming off the ball when they focus on it, but it's like. They're so dependent on, we've got the speed advantage, let's take advantage of that. And then defensively, it was clear. They had one game plan. And it would, quite frankly, the game plan that I would have had, make Michigan beat you in the passing game. Don't let the running game beat you. So they said, we're going to play man coverage. They played a lot of zero coverage. Man coverage, we're going to put numbers in the box to stop the run because that's the quickest way to die. But they they were, at times, poor run fits led to a couple of big, few big Michigan run plays. They got explosive plays out of the run game. But, boy, they got them out of the passing game, didn't they? It's, they got the safeties biting in, peaking a little bit, And they did a really good job running the foot, uh, running the football, but throwing the football over the top and hitting Ohio state with big plays. And it was, you know, a feeling at least they had that they could come back and score points. And they were competitive for a stretch, but later in the game, it was like Ohio state was pressing just like last year and had a sense of, you know, press press, we've got to make it up. And, and it, it, They just never seem comfortable, and Michigan, very comfortable. Where does this put Michigan down the stretch? Look, I think they can play and can compete. I think beating a potential Georgia team is a different animal, but doable. Very impressed. And On a sidebar, I'm going to speak up because not enough people do it because everybody wants to fire everybody all the time. We live in that world, right? It goes to show, and and let's call it what it is, Jim Harbaugh is one of theirs. Maybe others don't get the same treatment, but they were patient with Jim Harbaugh. Remember in the COVID year when they were like two and four, they wanted to run him? They wanted to run him long before that. But that was kind of the the final straw. And no, going to take a pay cut, we're going to do this, do that. Look at where Jim Harbaugh is now. Look, he hasn't won a national title, and I don't know that he's going to win it this year. But now it looks like, one more game left, looks like back-to-back Big Ten titles, back-to-back berths in the national playoffs. Folks, that's a pretty big turnaround. It just goes to show you, if you're patient, sometimes the changes that need to be made are the changes that you make internally with some of the same people and maybe making adjustments underneath. Could say the same about Florida State with Mike Norvell. There's a lot of people, ah, there we go again. This guy's no better. And this record, this, it's that, it's. Be a little patient. Be a little patient. It will serve you in the long haul. If you're not on the inside and you don't know what to look for, very often it leads to a lot of overreaction. In this day and age where everybody wants to win immediately, there's fire everybody that leads to some decisions that you regret in a regression of a program or sometimes things just need to be fixed internally. So we it's I think we've seen that with with a few and and it's maybe um, cause for consideration. For some of these programs that are ready to ditch their coach but if you're headed in the right direction stay the course stay the course and you're going to be good not just to protect the coach and one coach saying hey all the coaches there's some cases florida state for example with willie taggart that was running off the rails very quickly but people that don't have a trained eye looked at mike norvell and said well it's not much better with a trained eye, you see clearly doing some, getting some things on track and they're not maybe where they ultimately want to be but boy, they're trending in that direction. So a lot of credit, Uh, a reminder to we're excited to be part of the big game college football streaming network where you can find America's best independent college football podcast. Um, You can catch this show on that network as well as, um, at LandryFootball.com. So that was the biggest story. TCU taking care of business, aren't they? I mean, it was, in my question, I wasn't questioning TCU's ability to beat Iowa State. I didn't think Iowa State would have enough offense. And I think the defensive success can be contributed to the performance that TCU put forth defensively, but also with the the ineptitude of Ohio Iowa State's defense. But that was a dominant performance. Um, Georgia, slow first half against Georgia Tech, but take care of business. They dominate second half. Folks, I may be in the minority in this. In my view, this year's lot of teams, I think we're heading into conference championship week with Georgia michigan and i believe tcu are in the playoffs i think and the committee may not see it this way but i think tcu is deserving to get in even if they lose would be one loss and you'd be losing to a kansas state team that's really good look i'm not going to knock tcu out because they're in a conference championship game and lose it to a really good kansas state team and give it to somebody that didn't make it into their conference championship game. I'm not going to replace TCU with a, with Ohio State or an Alabama or anyone else. They've earned it. Um, I wouldn't advise it if I were TCU to risk it. If you remember, it was just a few years ago. TCU didn't make the playoffs. They went from three to six because – they were not playing in a big 12 championship game. Remember when they didn't have one and then they changed the rules and said, we're going to play one now. Could you imagine if TCU loses the conference championship game and they miss making the playoff because they lose it would be the, the ultimate ultimate snub. I think that is how it should go. I got to give a lot of credit to USC. Um, Lincoln Riley's done a phenomenal job. 19 or so guys he's brought in from the transfer portal. None better than Caleb Williams. Guys, the more and more I watch him, the more he's got a little bit of Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson in him, combination. This guy is going to be the number one pick in the 2024 draft. I don't, as a scout of 40 years, I don't make those type of statements because You don't know what's going to happen. This is one I'm very confident in. I am more confident who's going to be number one in 2024 than in 2023. And I feel pretty good about 2023, too. But to be a year out, this guy is phenomenal. He is your Heisman Trophy winner. I don't think there's any doubt about it. And he is carrying that team. And... If you look back on their season, I doubted them. I said, I don't know about their ability to win this game or that game. And, yes, they had their moments like everybody else. Oregon State game didn't look like it was, you know, the best of USC. Yeah, defensively, they're not great before they create turnovers. Plus 20 in the turnover margin. Folks, that is ridiculously good. I think they've got a great chance they're going to play a Utah team. That's going to be a challenge. And if they lose to Utah, that's twice they would have lost to Utah. But, you know, if you look at the game, the first game against Utah, um, they very close, kind of controversial calls at the end, on the road in Salt Lake, they lost it. If USC is able to beat this Utah team, they will avenge their only loss. And um, no question will have earned a spot into the playoffs. And the only only question is the seeding. I think fourth, if TCU wins, if TCU loses, I think it could be third and then TCU fourth. We'll see. It's what I think it will be in what I – perceive it to be myself, not necessarily what the committee is going to do. But this USC team is electric on offense. They had had a tough test and two different types of tests against UCLA and Notre Dame in back-to-back weeks and passed it with flying colors. They're playing really good football. They're playing their best football now. And I would not look at this team as a great talent. You think USC, you think power meaning a powerhouse team. This is just a well-coached, fast team with a great quarterback. You take him out of it, and there's probably three or four losses on this team. But they've got him, and it's a big, big factor towards their success. So congrats and some thoughts uh, regarding them. Kansas State's going to face TCU, and what a good-looking team that is. And I think that's the better chance for an upset, although I do think Utah is playing even better defense now than they were back when they beat USC in, in uh, Salt Lake. If, I'm gonna get, get this out of the way right now. If USC loses, we're going to find out Tuesday night where this is going to go. It is about TCU. I mean, is it about USC? It's it's if they lose, who's gonna be ranked higher? Ohio State or Alabama? And folks, the way it is this Tuesday night, the 29th, is the way it's gonna be next week, because there's nothing gonna change it. The only thing could change is USC plays their way in or keeps their way in or loses their spot to one of those two. That's how I see it. Uh, It's pretty clear that the committee does not think Tennessee is the same team without Hendon Hooker. Fair, unfair, it's clear that's how they see it. Some other thoughts on the weekend. We've got Utah playing against USC because Oregon, what a complete meltdown the Civil War was. Oregon State. Threw six passes all game and still beat them. Jonathan Smith has just done one hell of a job at his alma mater. And I thought they were the more physical, more disciplined team. Did not make the mistakes. That was the key. Oregon did not play clean football. For all the positives that I saw, Dan Lanning, I thought he – did a great job getting his team to improve as the season went along. One of a few, but that was a tough loss. It's not that they lost it; it's that they kind of blew the game. Was really bad along the lines of what happened with Brian Kelly and LSU. blowing the game to Texas A&M. You know, A&M was a little more creative offensively, a little more shifts and motions, and LSU just looked flat. And now they're getting ready to go play Georgia and any small chance that they had of playing in the national championship. I mean, that's completely gone. It could have at least been a discussion this week. It wasn't realistic, but it would have at least been a discussion. That's gone. now that loss takes a New Year's six ball out of the mix. So That was a big loss for LSU. Now, what does it do for a and What does it do for Jimbo Fisher? Does he become emboldened and say, you know, look, because I know what he thinks about this team. He thinks that I would have done more things. I would have been more creative. I would have tried a little bit more um, eye candy pre-snap if I didn't have such a young team, particularly in the offensive line. So he's playing that youth card, and, and so he's going to be resistant to making maybe the changes that some people want. I do think that he's probably going to make some staff adjustments, but I don't know that he's going to hand over the offense like a lot of the the uh, the fan base hopes and wants. In this game, because this is their last game, no bowl game for them, this would be the sign of, look, we we got some things figured out. and. As they do better than anybody else, they sell hope in Land. They sell that. Oh, next year's our year. Since 1939, next year has been their year. God bless them. I, I think they feel like and I, they will have a better season next year. It's kind of hard not to. But I wonder what this is going to mean for Jimbo and his decision. Alabama looked really good, sharper than I've seen. in. in is I went back and I was making notes watching the game as I do monitor six at one time. And I go back and look at the film of of them. And I'm looking at Alabama and it's a little different Bryce Young. You see Bryce Young is healthier. And um, you saw against Auburn, the receivers step up a little more. It's probably the biggest problem that they've had all year long. Uh, on offense, everybody talks about play calling and they want to fire Bill O'Brien and all of that. People just assume that the talent is superb everywhere because they're ranked high on some website. The reality is, they've not had difference makers at receiver. Not only did they not have the Jameson Williams type that are game breakers, but they didn't have the re- reliable receivers that they could go to. That's why Bryce is just, you know, running around. And everybody says, about well, the offensive line, my goodness, he is just moving around and he's got all day to throw. And he works, waits and works for guys to, to get open. And that's kind of been what they do. The receivers can't get open on their initial route. And so there's not the consistency there for that offense. And this, to me, I think it's hurt them overall. I thought that um, defensively, they've been better than most people give them credit for. It, do they look like the fourth best team in the country? Does Ohio State look like the fourth best team in the country? Does Tennessee look like the fourth best team? No. None of them do. But in a 14 playoff, we got to have, we're one team short if USC doesn't take care of business, uh, Tennessee, a lot of questions about Tennessee locker room issues last week. And, uh, we'll get to South Carolina in a second, but the, the blowout loss of South Carolina, they responded this week against Vanderbilt, no dissension, no problems, gut check, whatever. Look at Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt's, Improved by their standards, no question, this year. But they're not that good. It's still 56-0 is taking care of business, regardless who you play. South Carolina, I give a lot of credit in a mea culpa to Shane Beamer. I have said it here before. I said it for no other reason because that's what the film showed me. This wasn't a very well-coached team early in the year. Did not like what they were doing. Did not like how they were doing it. Thought they underachieved. Thought it was a problem. I call it like I see it. last two weeks have been impressive. They have not only displayed a lot of energy. They not only play well on special teams, which I've talked about how well they've been on special teams all year. But offensively, they've turned it up a notch. It's amazing how much better you can be you know, people talking about Marcus Satterfield, and you know this is offense, and he's bad, and he's let Spencer Rattler get on track, and you become a lot smarter coach. That was huge, absolutely huge, uh, the way he's played the past couple of weeks, dominating Tennessee, and then getting it done against Clemson. Oh, I know that this is maybe not the greatest Clemson team, and you know maybe. Um, Know, there's a little bit of a um a, you know not the typical dominant clemson i agree with all of that that's a big win for clemson um big win i mean i can't think of two bigger wins um back to back certainly just been impressive to to beat and to win that game is huge now let's see what they can do build up in in uh in recruiting now uh some news on that you've may or may not know, Marcus Satterfield, he much embattled and criticized offensive coordinator at South Carolina, is leaving South Carolina to go be the offensive coordinator for Matt Rule at Nebraska. Um, they're close friends. He's worked with them before. So it's a good move for him. And, um, again, South Carolina are going to have to make that adjustment uh, on their staff. But really, really good job there. Hey, uh, kudos kudos to Tulane. Uh, folks, they are hosting the AAC championship game uh, against Central Florida, who beat them a couple of weeks ago, uh, John Rice Plumley and Gus Malzahn. Tulane is one game away if they can beat Central Florida from going to a New Year's Six game. Folks, if that happens, that'll be the first major bowl that Tulane has gone to since 1940. Tulane has an old tradition, was a very good, very good program in the SEC. And even uh, the early stages before the tie-in and, you know, they went to the Sugar Bowl several times, but they've even played in the Rose Bowl. Tulane has got a long history, old history of being really good. And no, this is not a sign that they're getting ready to, jump back into the big time but when you can win the aac and uh, if you can do that and beat central florida it would be huge be absolutely huge now there is a lot of discussions about um willie fritz leaving tulane to go to georgia tech i can tell you that he is in strong consideration for that job georgia tech is looking still at two or three the latest there is that um, the, the setup and the financial structure was not to Bill O'Brien's liking. And Jay Bat got a close relationship with Bill O'Brien. That hadn't quite um, worked out to this point. Um, Jamie Chadwell is not likely to take it, but I wouldn't count it out yet. I do think Willie Fritz, I think it makes great sense. Got obviously, the connection um, right there in the state and is an outstanding coach, and I think they'd be lucky to get him. Um, I do think that the timing is everything. I think that they're going to continue to interview, and I think we'll see an announcement um, after this weekend because I think that certainly in the case of Fritz, uh, and I think you need to keep that in mind. Here's the, here's the thing. If it were Bill O'Brien, that deal is going to be done now, this week. Um, if it's Chadwell or someone, that'll be done this week. If it's not announced at the end of this week, it tells you more than likely it's Willie Fritz. Because he's the guy that's got to really protect his team in that conference championship game. Now, the key would be is if he accepts that job, does he coach the bowl game? That'll have to be worked out because getting a chance to play in a New Year's six bowl game in, in, in Tulane, um, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because that's looking like where that is headed. Um, speaking of that in protecting your team and what's going on, um, what a mess it's been for both you freeze and Lane Kiffin trying to coach their respective Liberty and Ole Miss teams, they're an 0-6 since the rumors, since the Auburn job came open. As you know by now, Lane Kiffin um, was pursued by Auburn. That did not consummate into a marriage there. So – the latest there, and I'm going to get into it a little bit more on uh, another podcast when I've got more time, of what's going on at Auburn is is a problem of alignment. They, not everybody was on board with you. Freeze. He was their plan B. And then they, I think, felt like they were going to get Lane Kiffin. So there wasn't a lot of push to make sure that they locked up plan B. Now they're dealing with some of that, some internal pushback on that as a hire and they're trying to look at some other options and it's a matter of getting everybody aligned you hear that term a lot alignment getting everybody in the operation that's including the key boosters which are more important than ever in this day of nil and and, uh collectives um getting those folks along with your president your athletic director your head coach all on the same page nobody's more misaligned than auburn it is a major problem. Congrats to Matt Rule. I think it's a fantastic hire for him. I'm going to have some thoughts on Big Ten Show about uh, how that kind of played out and how he basically backed off of uh, coaching this year, but then that Trev Alberts was able to convince him that the timing was right and to go forward with it. So really good move for them. Uh, Really a uh, somewhat surprising move, in madison wisconsin with wisconsin getting um you know going with a move in luke fickle that um is outstanding coach he's done a good job at cincinnati clearly he wanted to coach in the midwest had interest in the notre dame job last year before they started um to stick with marcus freeman and and keep some of that a large part of that staff together but he's really excited about that. He's, you know, there's not a a whole lot of jobs. He was in again, Notre Dame, uh, certainly his alma mater, Ohio state. I don't know being with the Ohio state background that if Michigan ever came up, but remember he wasn't interested in Michigan state. He wasn't comfortable with that setup. very comfortable with Wisconsin. Uh, He admired it. And again, I'm going to go into details on the big 10 podcast about it. Uh, on the, the Landry Football Podcast Network um, uh, later, uh, that he was very comfortable with that alignment and how everything was set in place there. So that's the reason he he took uh, he made the move there. So that was real um, a positive, uh, two good hires there. Kenny Dillingham goes home to Arizona State um, offensive coordinator at Oregon, young guy, thirty two. Highly energetic, already hired a couple of key guys that are big-time recruiters in the state of Arizona. Um, he's a guy that believes in that program, and he grew up in that state. So a big move for them. Um, we've had some other moves. Uh, obviously, South Florida's trying to make progress. Tulsa um, has the, 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 got an opening now. Texas State fired Jake Pavitol. Willie uh, Taggart was fired. Obviously, Cincinnati's got an open. David Shaw stepping down at Stanford. Belief is, is he's probably going to do something within the Stanford administration. Um, Colorado's trying to make uh, look like they're making some progress. Western Michigan firing Tim Lester. So that's some of the news and notes around the coaching search world. Um, the big storyline is going to be Tuesday night. And, um, uh, If you're listening to this podcast after the the rankings are announced, this is good because look at where the standings are. If you look at it last week, Georgia, Ohio State 2, Michigan 3, TCU 4, LSU 5, USC 6, Alabama 7, Clemson 8, Oregon 9, Tennessee 10. Well, Ohio State will drop how far? From two to five, two to six, LSU will drop out of it. USC will move up. USC will um, be in the top four. It will be more than likely Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and USC. That'll be four. Five, pay attention to five and six. Folks, common sense. USC loses. Five will likely move. Well, five will move to six next week. There's no reason, no justification, to move somebody that is ranked five or sixth, or sixth this week to jump the other ones a little bit. I mean, it's just there's really there's really not that justification for that. So I think we're going to know who's going to be in the playoffs this Tuesday. We will know the scenarios that will be played out. Uh, Tennessee, I think they can go as the as seven. If they're behind Alabama now, if they're behind Ohio State now, they clearly are, Ohio State, of course. I don't think Ohio State drops that far. In Tennessee, if they weren't ranked higher than Alabama, and you can certainly dispute the head-to-head that they should be, but if they weren't last week, what's going to change this week? Alabama took care of business. So did Tennessee. But you never know with the committee. That's why it'll be interesting to see. I think it's going to be, if USC loses, it's going to be likely Ohio State. But I don't know that, of course. That's going to be intriguing. So we've got some matchups. We're going to break them down for you over at LandryFootball.com. all week. USC-Utah, obviously really good defensive Utah. Can they slow down? Caleb Williams in this USC offense, Kansas state TCU. I-, I think it's the most intriguing matchup, but both of those are, are just phenomenal matchups. Um, Kansas state with Will Howard moving the ball through the air, very effectively along with their run game, been very, very impressive. Tulane central Florida. as I mentioned big time matchups, obviously a uh, group of six birth there, George LSU. Don't see that being a really good matchup, quite frankly. Clemson, North Carolina, well, you talk about a matchup that's not all that a- appealing at this point, and neither one has a chance in any sort of playoff discussions. And then Michigan-Purdue, it's just like, does Michigan not stumble across their feet? And I mean, I think that's potentially a blowout, just like Georgia-LSU is, and I don't think either, either Georgia or Michigan has to win the game to be in the playoff. So... Uh, kind of going to be a a unique week in that the conference games, championship games don't mean as much. It doesn't have the critical when you're in, lose, you're out feel. It doesn't feel like it. And I think you need to get used to it because when we go to 12, that's how it's going to be in in many of these cases. Um, As a conference champion, you get an automatic bid. But if you're a Georgia, if you're a Michigan, you certainly know TCU, another example. You know that, for example, if you're TCU, you know that you're going to be in a 12-team playoff, just like I think they're probably going to be in a 4-1 if they lose. Um, Kansas State can play their way in. Purdue could play their way in. LSU could play their way in because they'd get in as a conference champion. Now, the other thing, though, that's likely going to change is that we're going to do away with divisions and we're going to play the top two teams in the conference. So what I think's going to be interesting down the road is that we, do we really need to see or want to see Michigan, Ohio state again? Um, that would be real interesting to see how that plays out uh, in some of these matchups, but uh, down the road. Hey, a reminder, um, keep it here on the Landry football podcast network. We're going to, Break down the latest on coaching searches, everything that we've got going on there. Um, the, kind of how Auburn kind of bites the Lane Kiffin situation. We'll have that for you in our SEC show, um, and then the Big Ten, how Nebraska and Wisconsin was able to get the deal done there. In our Pac-12, we'll talk about the Kenny Dillingham hire and kind of where Stanford goes from here um, on those shows. So make sure that you subscribe, like, and share the Landry Football Podcast Network. Also. We'd ask you to uh, subscribe to the LandryFootball.com, where you can uh, take advantage of the football season sale. We've got a holiday special coming up as well. Uh, check it out; uh, it's going to be um, a ton of fun as we keep you up to date on everything to do with the coaching searches, as well as all the breakdowns in college or the NFL. We've got it for you over at LandryFootball.com. So take advantage of it today. Also, a reminder. Uh, You can catch Scout's Eye in College Football uh, on the Big Game College Football Streaming Network where you can find America's best independent college football podcast. Uh, Scout's Eye on College Football, the Big Game College Football Streaming Network. Check it out. Guys do a great job there. It's going to be a ton of fun. I know they've got great things planned for the rest of this season uh, and as well as uh, next year. So uh, check those guys out. Hey, appreciate you joining us. We'll talk to you next time. keep it on LandryFootball.com for all the latest, for all the insights, coaching searches, draft stuff, recruiting stuff, transfer portal stuff. Um, That's big. A whole bunch of stuff going on uh, in the the world of college football, uh, as well as the NFL. So you don't want to be without a subscription to LandryFootball.com. So long, everybody. Talk to you next time.